Welcome to the Political Pharmacist Podcast, the first podcast to focus on the political side of pharmacy. Here's your host, Eric Geyer. Welcome, Political Pharmacist Podcast listeners. I'm your host, Eric Geyer, and with me today I have Dr. Bled Tanaway. Dr. Tanaway was recently transitioned to inpatient pharmacy and is still works as PRN in community pharmacy and a graduate from the University of Oklahoma. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Tanaway. Thank you for having me. The privilege here is all mine because you kind of started something that went viral with a hashtag that was hashtag pizza is not working, which is ingenious for a number of ways. But what made you start this hashtag? So I have been feeling the pressure of the work in retail for a while. I think everything started more when we transitioned into the the vaccinated testing and when I uh, decided to approach the ship and just really voice my concern about the overload of and uh, just what my, my text was um And so I just wonder, hey, we are starting this big thing, you know, and we're just really excited to serve the community. However, uh, how does our work in the daily life, you know, of working in retail, talking about serving patients when filling the prescription and also meeting uh, metrics and all of that. And the answer I got from leadership was basically, you still uh, require to do all of those with what you have, meaning you still require to meet the metrics, you still require to fill prescription, and you still require to do testing and, and short with what you have. And so that was very not the answer I was looking for. But as I as I decided to go through um, to the to motion, I just the feeling was just really too much. I was getting a lot of anxiety and going to work. I actually took a time off work, and just because of that, and when I returned, I thought you know maybe adjusting my mindset would help me to overcome you know uh, the pressure. But that didn't work. And so one day I was at I was at the store floating, and one of the tech just approached me and just looked into me and said how am I expecting to do this? And I said, what do you mean? He said, how am I expecting to do tests and shots and still um, fill prescription and still meet metrics while taking care of myself, my patient, without having to make mistakes? How am I supposed to do this? And so I just didn't have an answer at the time. And I, the first thing I came to my mom, I said, oh, next time I come here, I'll buy pizza for them, you know, to help them to encourage them because, you know, food is the way we do in pharmacy, right? Yeah. And then I stopped and I said, wait, but that won't work, right? That's not going to be enough. And so I look at him and I say, listen here, you matter. Your license matter. Your life matter. Your patient's life matter. There's nothing that is more valuable in this profession than how you feel and how your patient feel. If tomorrow... You make a mistake and you have to stand in front of the board at pharmacy. Your company won't care for you. In fact, they would deny that we never ask our employees to put patient health over metrics. So guess what? It will take longer than it's supposed to take. Everybody can wait, but you need to make sure that you're okay. You need to take on yourself. And so I came home. And posted one of my group about it, the, uh, the the issue, and one of the answer was, "Thank you for not buying food, because I am tired of pizza. Uh, by the way, I am working so much on losing weight, and people keep buying pizza. Thank you for not buying food." And then I was like, "Oh, 
hashtag fixed ties is not working. <laughs> and somebody even mentioned, even if somebody mentioned a group, we should, we should start a hashtag. And I said, they gave it a different and combination of a hashtag. And I said, we're going to go with fixed hashtag because it's not working. So this is how actually everything came to, to life in a way. Yeah, you know, it's funny because it used to be if, if they brought in pizza, you're like, oh, sweet, whatever. But so many times since the pandemic hit, and like you said, there's the just insanity of the vaccines plus the number of tests, which might at this point now a number of vaccines. So many times it's like, we'll just buy them lunch or buy them pizza. And we've seen where some of the chains like Walgreens actually allotted stores so much money a month, buy them food to make them happy. And it was like $500 for the whole store. And, you know, you think 500 bucks is a lot of money when you look at it. But when you realize that that's like spread over the course of a month for so many people, that's not really that much. Like they'd be a lot happier if you just like gave them a raise or hired somebody else to help them. But you know, it was cheaper just to kind of throw food at it for lack of a better lack of a better way of saying that. So that's where they, a lot of times, hey, pizza, everyone likes pizza and we'll just throw them at it in bulk. <laughs> and that kind of is is that kind of what you were seeing with that? Yeah, yeah. And you know, and I am guilty as it when I when I used to be with my senior that was the way to go for my definition. We had a place where they would love this pizza. Place. So constantly we would buy pizza, right? And so even sometimes we do it, but again, as pharmacists, we don't really have the power to do anything. So we feel that the way to encourage our team is by gift card and, and food and letters, which is great because, you know, they need encouragement from people who work directly over them. But for big companies who have the power to make real change, food is not really going to cut anymore. You yeah. know, it's not going to work because what is happening is that We'll eat, that's wonderful, but then we go back to be tired. We go back to be in a condition that is really toxic and poor. We go back to be stretched out in so many places. Sometimes you don't even have time to eat and the pigs are just get cold. <laughs> so that defeats the purpose. And they're all solutions that can really make real change, not just for us as pharmacists and technicians, but for patients, but also for company. But we're constantly choosing to you know to not go with the solution. We choose them with the easiest word that doesn't involve any type of feelings. That is, for me, food, when it comes to big companies, is really bad detachment. We don't want to know what's happening, so we're going to give money to someone else to take up that. Well, come to the store and work for one day. And then let me, and let me see how you feel when I buy you things the next time and tell you this is what you should do, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, as a pharmacist, and you'll appreciate this, I'm a bit of a nerd, so... When I think of this, right, when you think of pizza and you think of like the satisfaction you get from just eating in general, okay, immediate serotonin release, dopamine release, like you feel good from it for however many seconds or minutes it lasts. But honestly, it's like putting nitrous oxide in a car engine. Like, yeah, it makes it go faster for a second. It feels better. It's going quicker. But you didn't fix the major problem with the engine, which is the lack of staffing in this case. So it's like you need to take care of it at the root cause, not just throw a Band-Aid and hope it gets you through that. And that's kind of the way you're describing this is pizza is the band-aid. So, um, <laughs> I went up and call it a band. I feel like it's just band-aid at least band-aid covers the wound for for something. <laughs> I don't even think it covers. I think it's just like, you know, when, when your kids hurt and you just blow over the wound and like, it's going to be okay. It's just a little boo-boo. That's, exactly <laughs> That's really what pizza is. <laughs> you know, it's nothing that covers anything, right? If anything, we feel gross at the end. It's like, oh my gosh, I overate. And then you just watch it's solo in the afternoon because you ate five pieces, which would be me. I tend to overeat pizza, you know. And I love 
fix that. So, you know, if anything, I should be the one that says, buy me more fix up. But then I'm saying, no, don't buy me more fix up because it's not working. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm guilty of eating the whole pizza myself sometimes. I'm not going to lie about that. And anyone yeah. who knows me will attest to that. But yeah, like you said, it's just a short term thing and it's probably not the healthiest. So probably not what we should be really supporting in the healthcare industry. But that aside, um, the article did kind of spawn some articles and some news journalism. Where did this kind of catch traction with that you noticed? I'm sorry? So this did spawn some like news articles and some like TV uh, slots. Where did you see this kind of like catch on with? So we have seen, we have, we had two segments on News 9 and News 6, which are both um, Oklahoma local news. I recently saw an article uh, in the Australian Journal of Pharmacy that was posted. Um, there was one also from Breakfast uh, Hospital Review, which from this website, other sources also shared the uh, the, the article. I've seen a few tweets um, um, on Twitter, and by mainly Facebook, and you know, and many uh, various pharmacy group on Facebook have been the place where. This has been um, shared um, many, many times. But I think, you know, people want it to be outside of social media. And of course, you know, you have to have people to pick up the story, which has been an uh, interesting hard. You know, I would think that in general, the, the, the crisis when it comes to the safety of Americans would be something that people would be interested in too. But I find myself to be sending out email to news uh, news station and not getting the answer from anybody. So that is going to be discouraging. However, I am very, very proud and very grateful and excited for uh, for how far we have gone, you know, for this campaign. Update for the listeners. Uh, Crane Chicago Business did also pick this up after we recorded this episode and highlighted the work that a blood town away has done as well as some of the work that Dr. Marie Shaw has done. Yeah, I did see that the local Oklahoma uh, news stations picked it up, which was pretty interesting because I don't always think of Oklahoma as the most urban and fastest workplace when I think of <laughs> pharmacy. But at the same point, you know, it, if it's happening there, it's probably happening a lot more places. So I think that's interesting. One thing I think is interesting with this is kind of like what's your goal with the whole hashtag pizza is not working thing? Is it to just get more staffing? Is it to get more pay? Is it to become unionized? Like, what's your kind of goal with that? Oh, so this is always a big question because I feel that there's no one straight answer. So I try to divide the answer into different departments so that, you know, I can I can hit the goals that I want to. And so uh, one thing I, I, I know is that as far as our law is concerned, we have a long way to go because you need to find someone that is an organization, you know, a lawyer that are, uh, which are going to be bold enough to take upon labor law. For instance, I went ahead and researched Oklahoma labor law. And when I read the law, it, it made the big chains look like angels because they were providing more than what the law was required. So finding finding some some lawyers who will have the courage and the money to stand you know against them will be a long stretch you know of course you no know, laws for me laws are the goal because i feel that can pharmacy can afford the fines to find them twenty thousand dollars or five hundred dollars you know they can afford that but to tell them that if you break this law you will lose your license to practice in the state then you're talking a whole different game right 
because then they have to be spreaded. So ultimately, that's what we want, but we're not going to get that, right? So the second part is, can we have a union? I think we have to realize that first thing is that the pharmacy as a profession is very divided. For you to have a union, you have to agree on, on a lot of things, right? And pharmacy in general is very divided. You have, for instance, a big essence is how um, no retail pharmacy see retail pharmacies, you know, we see the retail pharmacies as having less clinical impact, right? And so you're going to talk about organization that needs to represent the needs of the entire profession, where if that profession is not unified already, I don't understand how that organization can even represent, right? For instance, if we have a union right now, it would be to go to the big chain and say, this is what we need for retail pharmacies. But while we started this campaign, I have seen fewer no retail pharmacies step into the campaign. So which means that they're not even support, not even understanding what's happening. So how can a union speak on behalf of retail pharmacists when within the profession we are really divided? Does kind of make sense? So that's the hardest thing. So what can be done now that is going to be on a very basic level? I think it's to change the mindset. For me, when I saw this company, I wanted for a long time, we as pharmacists and technicians having sounds. We haven't been able to voice our opinion. If we do voice our opinion, we are automatically fired or something. But as we see now, with more pharmacy, for more pharmacy closing because of lack, lack of staffing, we're realizing that retail chains really do need us. They cannot survive without the technician and the pharmacists. So that reversed the role. We actually are the people who are leading the profession, not them. So I want them to, I want them to ask you to that we have a voice, we have a power, and we cannot be afraid to use it. Yes, it's going to cost us something, but at this time when everybody is, is so short stuff, retail pharmacy won't have a chance. They won't even have an option then to back in because they can't find anybody to work. This is a perfect time where we're all right now with a demand of vaccine and testing and we're having less people to work. This is a perfect time to really back them into the corner. So I wanted a change of mindset from us as pharmacists and technicians to remind that we have the power, we have the authority, we just have to be able to use our voice. But really the second part of that, which is very basic, is to make sure that patients understand the risk that has been taking, taking with the health. As the working condition of pharmacies are getting worse and worse, their health as a patient is targeted. We know that patients in general don't really care for us as pharmacy staff. So to ask them to have empathy for us, which was the first mistake when I started the, started the campaign, was really a waste of time altogether. So recently, I started to change the narrative. I know that patients in general have less regard for the staff, which basically is because retail parents in general have created this atmosphere where patients don't respect the staff. But if we tie the campaign to the health, if we tie the campaign to the danger to, uh, to the health of the patient, maybe that would change the causes of where we're trying to go. So for me as a goal, what I can really accomplish, I feel that we can accomplish right now and so the union the role is to change the mindset of the pharmacy staff to empower them and to also make patients aware of the danger that they're, that they're, and that they're facing if the working conditions don't change in pharmacy retail, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, no, I actually think that makes a lot of sense. And you hit on a lot there. So I'm going to try and break some of it down. Yeah. The, the, the one kind of thing that is interesting is you are seeing a major shift in the dynamic of it. And around me, uh, certain chains, you're seeing around 10 to 20% of those stores close, if not more, yeah. on a given weekend and sometimes even a weekday. Like, you know, it'll just be a random Thursday and they'll be like, nope, we have no one to work here. The pharmacy's closed. And that really bottlenecks because sometimes you can't transfer prescriptions because of that. You definitely can't transfer controls in my state because of that. And on top of that, you now are cramming all that work from that store into other stores, whether it be a competitor, whether it be someone else in that chain because someone had to drive there, whatever it is. So you're just cramming more and more on the people who are working. And I, I know where I currently work, I've seen a major uptick in technicians apply who are from these major box retail chains. And the other thing is, is I've noticed is that the pharmacist pay has went down at a lot of these places. And I'm not going to say pharmacists are living in the poorhouse, but it's getting to the point where if you're a new grad, it's kind of hard to pay off your student loans with the rate they're paying, not to mention just to buy ramen noodles for yourself to eat every day or not, not even pizza, right? Like, let's go even one step below that. <laughs> and, yeah. and then we'll also be having a place to live that is more than just a, you know, a box on the ground. And I live in Ohio, which is pretty inexpensive. So you'll probably figure it out. But at the same point, when you're, if you're a new grad and you've got $180,000 in student loan debt, $44 an hour doesn't go very far. $50 an hour still doesn't go very far. And when you're looking at this, the demands, the mental stress, the fatigue, everything that goes through it, and you're seeing you know, other hospitals, other health centers have job openings, why would you go apply for that situation? You know, like it just seems kind of counterintuitive. Like why go through that? I mean, it would have to be like $80 an hour to be like, all right, no, it might be worth going through a little bit of hell. And you're seeing from pharmacists all over who work for these places, just the amount of desensitization, burnout, whatever you want to call it that they're going through. Now, hospital staffs and especially the people who have to work in the ER and the ICU, Right now, as the Delta wave is just absolutely starting to peak here in the U.S. in September, we're seeing them go through it really bad. And they're going through with the death side of it. Pharmacy is going through, at least the retail or community pharmacy side, is going through just the being screamed at, yelled at. Like there's, you know, you're just peddling, peddling, peddling and getting nowhere, essentially, type of burnout. And that's why they're all leaving. So I think that's pretty interesting. Your campaign right now comes on the wave where we've seen technician pay go up in basically in all the box chains. I think Walgreens now is $15 an hour, CVS is around 16 that they're going to move their minimum pay to. But that doesn't take care of the workers who've already been through it. And their pay is going to go up with those new hires. So they're not really necessarily being rewarded in most cases I've seen. But the other thing is that doesn't fix the staffing issue. Like I'm sure there's plenty of people who would work for the $12.50, $13 an hour as a technician if you just hired more technicians and made it a better place just to work, is that kind of what you're seeing? So when I saw the announcement of the pay raise, I actually laughed. Hmm. <laughs> I laughed because for me, it was simply a cheap, uh, a lazy, and really an, a caring way to resolve the issue that was going on. Basically what it told us is, we're gonna pay you more and you need to start negotiating your way. This is how I saw it. Okay. And on the other side, it doesn't matter because the the federal pay is going up. So the fifteen dollars is not because of the goodness of the heart, it's because they have to make sure they're going along with what is happening around other places. Faster they're already paying that much. So come in and say, We value more, yes, fifteen dollars an hour. 
for me, it's, it's like, no, you can afford, you, you, you couldn't afford that a long time ago. Because you've been saying for the whole year that you have not made money, right? So when did you come with those 15,000 hours? How are you going to pay for that? If you as a company has not made your quarter goals or whatever it is, where is this money coming from? Yeah. You must have had it the whole time. So you only came with that now because you realize that, oh, people are leaving. Well, if we pay them more, they will stay. And that's why I have my big issue with pay. Pay, pay is great. We can increase the pay. But if we tell them that pay us more, then we won't have anything to complain about, right? Because they will say to us, we pay you more. You Now, now you work. Now you have the staff. Unquote, you know, now, now you have the power to hire more. And now you should be able to meet the metrics. No. What I'm saying is that there's something that is broken within the system or how we tell um, function overall. Our goal is patient safety. That's all. So if you have to grade me on anything, it's how many errors I make. This should be it. Yeah. That 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 should be the standard of everything. If you go to the hospital, they don't they don't grade on how fast you got to speak to the nurse. They don't do that. I mean, I mean you have to be diligent to make sure you, you get the uh, the medication really. But that the, the the only measure they have is how many errors we have today. Every time I go to a meeting, how many errors we have today? That, that that's it. That's the whole the, the center of the meeting of, of the meeting right there. Metrics in general are killing the pharmacy. And and the interesting thing you say about that is, you know, the metrics is they always try to think, let's get ten percent more, let's get ten percent more. And you know, as just an example. And I'm now in a position where I I don't want to, I hate using the term metric because it's like a four letter word in pharmacy, but you know, I, I'm having to manage people and things like that. I'm like, Hey, can we do a little bit better? Can we do a little bit better? But I'm also realizing like, there's a point that I just can't push past because I'm going to burn people out. It's going to disengage them and it's just not safe for people. Maybe that's because I come from with a lot of experience in the community or retail world. But when mm-hmm. we're looking at what some of these big chains have, right? All the levels of middle management, people who do different tasks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, maybe those are some of the positions they they need to just eliminate so that they can get more people on the front lines. Uh, To be quite frank, from what I understand, a lot of the district managers are paid well into six figures. If they had to all manage one or two more stores, yeah, it's not the easiest thing in the world, but if, if spreading them a little bit thinner made all of your front stores have one more employee that goes a long way. And I can't even state that enough. And you know, if they're managing 10, 15 stores, all of a sudden, you know, the way you worked it, reworked it, whatever, you can give all of them one or two more technicians or a half a technician and a really slow store and a one and a half and a busier store. That's going to make a huge difference in how you're taking care of those people, how fast they're getting in and out. And then, you know, occasionally you're going to have to spill that into a little bit of extra pharmacist pay just so that it can be more accurate. But we've even seen from some of my friends who still work for these big chains, they're rationing the central services. And you think that that should be the one thing they should be ratcheting up with the, the power they have is the ability to have a pharmacist, you know, remote check or a, a technician remote type it in, things like that. Yeah. Because, you know, I can if I wasn't interrupted at all day with phone calls and questions, I can probably type 70, 100 prescriptions an hour. And that's a lot of work being done to help move things down the line. But we're mm-hmm. not seeing that, right? 
No, no, we're not saying that, you know, and I, and I don't want to minimize the positive of having better pay. I wish that you were talking about pharmacists, $44 an hour, that's not going to cut. And, and of course, no, I want technicians deserve higher pay, 100%. What I'm saying is I have been to places where there were enough technicians. There were two, two people at the dry food, two people at the front, people feeling everything. But still, it felt so overwhelming because on top of all of that, we're doing other things, you know. If we were just to focus on the daily operation of the pharmacy, and we have not people to do this, I felt that we would change the whole face of the pharmacy altogether. We were able to go out to the OTC product and show patients. I remember for a long time I had to point out to someone, this is where it is, because I couldn't leave my computer, because living meant that I would come back to 15 or 40 or something that I had to catch up on. You know, where mom can take pumping breaks because going out to take breaks mean I'm coming back to a chaotic pharmacy, you know. Even though they would say, oh, you are out to take break. It's true. You tell me I can take break, but you don't provide me with the support to go and do that. So there's so many variables that needs to be seen and taken care, you know. And this campaign altogether, me as the only person, I, I'm just here to bring awareness. My call is for people she stood out of one and said, hey, it's already out there. People are talking about it. We need to use this moment to make a change, whatever it's going to look like, right? And that's what I'm looking for. I don't have the solution myself. I have many solutions, you know, but everybody wants to be different. But I think hopefully we can all together and come and say, this is what we need to start on, you know? So for me, my starting point is to eliminate metrics altogether. Take all this thing out. For somebody else, study point might be give me a higher pay or give me more staff and I will function, you know. So we're all looking at a different angle. Maybe we can come together and have a solution that can benefit all of us. You know, if I had to say that there's one metric to measure here, because you said it earlier, it would be how many errors happened. Like like you said earlier, like, let's measure the mistakes that happened because that's a quality issue. That's someone's life that could be affected. Or, you know, yeah. if you're having to test people, were all the proper steps followed so they got an accurate test? If a vaccine was given, were all the proper steps followed so that they got 100% accurate measurement, dose, whatever it was for the vaccine? That should be what you're measuring, correct? Exactly. Exactly. And we have seen this. There being posts about people receiving two different vaccines when they're not supposed to. People are receiving flu and so COVID or vice versa because... We're trying to do too many things on its time, you know. And again, you know, it will all company will all come back and say, We never thought that we encourage you to do this. But when you punish people for not meeting a certain goals, this is what you this is what you should expect. That's right. just what it is. Your punishment for for falling five percent below something will lead to that person being hiring and grabbing the wrong vaccine because I have to come back and make sure this script doesn't expire in five minutes. And the, fun, the, fun, the funny thing is, is if you beat that goal by 10 or 20%, you don't get any extra reward in most cases. No, you don't. Yeah. All it's right. It's all like a domino effect. That's really what it is. All right. So you're going to have some interesting answers for this, I'm sure. But <laughs> I'm going to ask the two questions that I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. So if you could change one thing in pharmacy that is not a law, what would it be? Oh, <laughs> that is so hard. Oh, if I could change anything, I would like division of pharmacy, which means that industrial or inpatient or 
Avid and Retail, I would like those other divisions to respect retail pharmacies because I think there's been a, a feeling of superiority when it comes to other field of pharmacy compared to retail. We, retail pharmacies are always being looked on by other by the, uh, by the colleague. And I, I would like for that to change. Don't know how that will happen because it's more of a human perception than anything. But that is my one thing that I would love to change. And I, and I have to add one for, for my technician because I am a technician pharmacist. I will, if I have one thing to change, I wish that pharmacists will respect the technician. I have been in too many places where we have looked on on those who actually are the backbone of pharmacy. So I get two things. I get to pick up two. You can't do that for me. <laughs> you know, I, I will say that I, I like that because if you're a pharmacist, you're a pharmacist. We all have the same schooling. Now, some might know more than others, and you know, we will respect that upon each other, but that doesn't mean they're necessarily better because we all have our own skill sets. And technicians, I will say this, and I've learned this the, the hard way myself. When they're not there, you certainly can't do your job as a pharmacist. So no. it makes you appreciate them a lot more. <laughs> All right. So last question here. Uh, if you could change one law in pharmacy, federal, state, what have you, what would it be and why? I was thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, I would make my own. It would be that the pharmacist has the power to deem when a patient safety is in danger and the employer cannot file any retaliation if that is reported. That would be my law. How would you do that? I'm, I, I like the idea, but I, I'm interested in the implementation. I that would I don't know how that would be. <laughs> I I'm not sure how, <laughs> but in the perfect one in my mind is that all the clinical decision on what matters to the patient and not should lie within the scope of the pharmacist. Nobody else. Okay, gotcha. That's an interesting one. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to think through that, how that something like that could be implemented because I, I like it and it's definitely in the best interest of the patient, which is our number one through five goal. So I yes. think that that, that, that is a, a noble cause nonetheless. So, uh, hey, Dr. Tenaway, where can people find you and your hashtag pizza is not working? On Facebook, you can, you can look on Facebook, you can Google some, some Twitter have it. Um, I don't have a, I just have my own Facebook page. I don't have like a public page because I'm not a public figure, figure yet. But uh, but yeah, just like you know, go on Facebook and just like look, you know, search uh, hashtag pizza is not working, and you will find the video post about it. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Well, hey, thanks for coming on the podcast and for yeah, trying to be I a voice for it. pharmacy. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you for. You give me the voice, you know, and, and to, to the professional. You know, I, I enjoy your work. It's very thought-provocating, you know, when I I'm on, I, I listen to some of your podcasts. So I'm really interested to see how this one turns out. And I'm grateful for the opportunity altogether. Well, thank you for that. But as always, listeners, thanks for listening to the Political Pharmacist Podcast, your prescription for pharmacy and politics.